Welcome to St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church Live Interactive Podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us today. And now for your hosts for your spiritual hour of power, Pastors D.A. Bennett and Josh Coates. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, so glad you're joining us. I hope whatever you're doing today, you're having as much fun as we've been having in here. We've had a lot of laughter. Yeah. It has been a good day here at the church, and uh, certainly we thank God for that. And, of course, by we, uh, I'm T.A. Bennett. This is... Josh Coates. And over behind the other camera, diligently pushing buttons and twisting knobs are sound wizard extraordinaire jeff how are you doing today uh good it's good to be back with you guys you know been doing a lot of traveling for work and with the hockey team so it's good to get back at it and uh converse with you guys and jeff just got back from a conference on audio visual geeky nerdy techie stuff and so he's kind of floating on cloud nine he showed us something today that we're going to be seeing again i'm sure in church pretty soon it's just pretty awesome i'll be glad to to say that and of course today i do want to acknowledge that today is a special day in the excuse me, in the life of the church. Um, November 1st is All Saints Day. When we actually think of Halloween, that was All Hallows Eve. Hollow meaning not empty, but hallowed, that it is holy. And uh, today is the day we do remember men and women, brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers, grandparents, that uh, lived a, a wonderful, strong life of faith in Jesus Christ and how it is that they are part of that cloud of witnesses. Uh, we took time in staff meeting today to remember people, and one of the people that I lifted up was my grandfather, D. Young, and just you know, a, a farmer and rancher, a, a simple man, only had an eighth-grade education, uh, but, man, he loved Jesus and uh, was able to pass that on to uh, my mom and then to my sister and I. So hey, some people that have blessed your life in that way? Yeah, I had tons of them. I mean, we could we could probably do an entire podcast Absolutely. On, on the people that have invested in I, us. I think and... we probably did back in episode 28 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't around then. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but the one I lifted up in staff was uh, Nick Harris. He was a mentor of mine, pastor at first Oklahoma City downtown for like 20 years. And uh, he actually prophesied over me and called me out um, in the midst of a season where I was running from God and my call into ministry. And uh, as I was joining the church that night, he told the entire congregation that I was called into ministry. And that was prior to he and I really having any conversations about that at all. It was just God spoke to him and he was a man of faith that was bold, that if he felt God speak to him, uh, he didn't ask questions. He just spoke it and uh, spoke that over me, and and uh, I think like nine months later, he had hired me on staff, and so um, taught me all about grace, and uh, and so um, I, I look at the fruit from twenty years of ministry, and a lot of it can be attributed back to him and his investment in my life early on when I was twenty two years old. So, mm-hmm. and of course, by running from God, it's not like you were living a life of debauchery. No, I was still going to church. I was <laughs> I'm just a, trying to clarify yeah, this for people. I was I was a, a leader in the youth group. I mean, I, I was still active in the church i just uh my plan was to go into broadcast electronic media sports sports broadcasting and um so my rebellion wasn't a rebellion of god it was just a rebellion of his call in my life Yeah, you're told to go to nineveh but you had other plans right. on where yeah. you wanted to go absolutely and and jeff uh shared also jeff you want to share that uh with our listening folk Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So I recognize my uh, grandmother. You know, she was uh, four foot 
nothing fireball that uh, family was everything and so was church um, we did uh, dinners around the uh, table you know with uh, family and, and, and friends and uh, always brought out family and everybody brought their instruments like once a month you know from spring till uh, you know the fall and uh, we'd play uh, uh, guitar and sing hymns and whatnot so it was it was a good time you know there there's just something that when you were sharing that in staff today and I appreciate y'all sharing your stories that it's like gosh that's just something that I miss I mean our family's always on the go for us to all sit down and eat together is pretty rare uh, but I started thinking when you were sharing that you know I just need to tell my uh, family you, you know y'all aren't going out to eat after church anymore unless we all go out to eat together obviously that would not be a popular <laughs> decision with my teenagers but maybe once a month we just we need to start doing that i mean i i love that so we uh this past sunday we concluded a service on creating engagement or a series on creating engagement engagement is a new metric for how we measure healthy disciples and healthy churches and we looked at four parts of what are things that we could measure as far as how do you tell if a person is really engaged in a church we used to just go by the idea of you know nickels and noses how much do they give and are are they showing up on sunday and over you know the last uh, 35 years of ministry that i've been active that has changed quite a bit on what it means. And so this this metric, I hope, is helpful for our understanding. And the first thing is fully engaged disciples are people who serve, not just serving through ministries of the church, although that's very important, but also being light in the midst of the darkness of the world that we do also serve in our community. Then the second thing was uh, fully engaged people or people who give of their finances. And that is something that Jesus talked about a lot. His number one sermon series was kingdom of God. And number two was about money. And so we did celebrate our um, commitment Sunday this week, bringing our estimate of giving cards up so we can begin to plan a ministry budget for 2023. Uh, third Sunday, Josh actually preached that one on uh, engaged people. And, and the way I just said it in the sermon, because I was trying to uh, – shorten it up yeah it doesn't it doesn't roll off the tongue as easy as fully engaged disciples give and serve sure, right. it, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well but um, that we are engaged in discipleship that we are actively and intentionally um, pursuing a relationship with Jesus is what I yeah. think of when I think of discipleship and and you know the those things are good. If we're giving, if we're serving, if we are doing those personal things to grow in our faith, that, that's all vital. But there's one more thing that's important, and the you know it, our our engagement is incomplete if we don't do this. And that's what we talked about this past Sunday: is that fully engaged disciples invite other people to yeah. follow Jesus. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I talked about. Um, part of the in the discipleship week was disciples are are people who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Make disciples, right. Part of making disciples is inviting. How, how can they ever know and start that journey if they haven't been invited? And, and I love this definition for the church. It's a missional community called to reflect the character of God into and through the world. And so when we think about the character of God being reflected in the world, those are things like, 
you know, engaged disciples giving and right. serving. But when we think about the missional part, right, mm-hmm. we are a community that exists for a purpose. The missional part, and that's to make disciples, and that starts with invitation. If we're not inviting, if we're not so excited about what God is doing in this community that we want to tell others to bring them, um, then just like you said, it, it, we're not, our, our engagement is incomplete if we're not doing that. And honestly, if we think of people who, you know, maybe they come to church for the first time and, you know, they, they do get active, they begin to serve, they begin to get in Bible study, those kind of things, maybe they give, and you ask them, you know, why did you come to this church? Overwhelmingly, the answer is, well, a friend invited me. Yeah. And and that's just so vital that we looked at the, the call of Andrew, our own namesake, and that Andrew was one of the first, you know, to follow Jesus. That when John the Baptist said, look, there goes the guy who's really the Messiah, Andrew immediately quit following well, a, John the I'm Baptist. I'm going to waste my time with you anymore. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. follow him. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and John was cool with that. I mean, yeah. he, he understood that was his purpose. That was, absolutely. But Andrew immediately began to follow Jesus. Didn't take him long to figure out, okay— this guy is the real deal. This is the Messiah. And immediately he invites his brother to come and see and to begin to follow Jesus. And so uh, I like to to think of it that because we are St. Andrews, it is in our spiritual DNA yeah. that we invite other people to follow. And what, What's the first thing you do when you go and watch an incredible movie. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to tell people about yeah, it. Yeah, and if, and if, I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but I say, man, I think you would really... I try not to say, oh, you have to go see it. Right. It's, you would really enjoy this movie. Yeah, when Anytime we see anything or participate in anything that we're just like, oh my gosh, that was incredible. It is instinctive that we immediately want other people to experience that. Oh, you really need to go see this movie or you really need to go try this restaurant yeah. or, or whatever it is. And so... I, I think it's 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 funny how instinctively that is with regards to these other areas of life with entertainment and food and things like that, but we're hesitant when it comes to what God's doing in community. We're hesitant to say, oh, I really think you would love my church. Will you come to church with me this week? And, and sometimes people can do that, but the, one of the things that I'm having to just, you know, continually learning what's the best way to lead the church and what's the best way to model what it means to do this is uh, to let a person know this is why my church would be good for you. That's one of the things people are asking. They they don't necessarily ask, oh, does your you know church do children's ministry? Right. What's in it for me? Yeah, because church, church is a loaded word. Yes. So if you're just inviting them, yeah, I think if you emphasize what it is specifically that you think they would enjoy or uh, would love about that, you know, oh, you know, we have this ministry or we're serving the homeless on Thursdays or or whatever it is, we think you'd be would love that. Um, it, it definitely makes it uh, tailor-made to the person you're talking to, but I think it it uh, it unpacks maybe a little bit of the baggage that unchurched people might have when they think about the church. I, I actually have a friend, uh, n- not a Christian. Uh, culturally, he's actually Jewish, although he's not what you would call a practicing faithful adherent to Judaism. And um, Years ago, we were doing a study in the church, and I felt God laid it on my heart. You've got all these unchurched people. You need to invite them to your house to do this small group experience. And so that's what I did. And he called me one day, and he said, okay, uh, my wife and I are thinking about coming. 
as long as you don't do to us what you do to each other. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, man, trust me, I would never invite you. I would never invite you to my house to try to embarrass you or make you feel uncomfortable. I just feel like maybe this is something that would be helpful for you. We're actually studying a Max Lucado uh, book called Fearless. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all of us deal with fear. And so, you know, I was hoping that would work out. It didn't work out the way we wanted. Um, but it worked. And and part of what I would say is, and the invitation was come to my house. Right. It wasn't come to my church. Um, we need to be real careful sometimes because we invite people to church, but that's really not what we're doing. We're inviting them to follow Jesus. Absolutely. That's what Andrew did with his brother. You got to come see this guy, follow after him. This is the Messiah. And there's so many different lessons we could have taken for this. I chose to just focus on two parts of Andrew's uh, thing. And the first was Andrew, the, the first person he invited was a family member. And this is something we were actually talking about in staff meeting today is yeah. how the church should be a place that reinforces the discipleship that we're trying to do in our families. Yeah, absolutely. Because of how much more time we spend in other areas of life and with people outside of the church, um, it absolutely influences and shapes who we are. And so the church can't just be, okay, it's that one hour a week and I'm going to send my kids there and, and we're going to do this and, and we'll think about church again next week or we'll think about following Jesus next week. It, discipleship starts in the home. You know, like you said, inviting first, first someone, place of discipleship you are inviting is the home. them to your home because ultimately church is an avenue for people to follow Jesus. Right. That can happen in a whole variety of ways. And so, um, yeah, it, they have to complement one another um, in order to be fully effective. One of the things that I, I think, you know, again, because I'm older, the image I think a lot of people get is, and, and I did, you know, say this, you know, parents, grandparents, teach your children to pray, that that we think this is an adult thing that we do for adults. But but when I was preparing the sermon, I know there are youth that come to our church, and their families don't come with them. Yeah. And when I was saying that specifically in the sermon, I remember uh, one you know teenage girl in particular noticeably nodding her head, yes, my family doesn't come to church. And so when we had the costume bowling party that night, I talked to her and I said, hey, I just noticed you were really noticing, you were really nodding that your parents – don't come to church anywhere. And she was able to share some of her story uh, because she, I mean, she doesn't even live in this neighborhood. Right. She she drives away, but she will tell you, I love this church. And she really wishes her parents were coming with her every time she comes. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. Whenever you see students like that, who are so engaged in their faith that um, they, they're not being pulled out of bed on Sunday morning, they are um, making the choice to get up, to make the 30, 35, 40-minute drive for her to come to church. Um, that's just powerful. That's a powerful statement about about her faith and about the community that is um, that she's found here at, at St. Andrews. Right. Yeah. It, it's just, it's awesome. So, you know, sometimes family can be the hardest people. I mean, I, I can think of a man in our church and he came up to me. I'd, I think I'd preached a sermon on forgiveness or something. And he said, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I need to go talk to my brother. And, uh, he goes, 
I, I have forgiven him, but he hasn't forgiven me, and I want to make things right. It, it was hard for this man to talk to his brother yeah. about things of faith, and he, he knew the, the obstacle that had been in their relationship had also become an obstacle between his brother and the Lord, and yeah. uh, well, and wanted I've, to write I've that. found part of it, too, is, and this may be just a personal thing, and, and maybe no one can relate to this, but I've found that when um, it's it's it can be difficult to um, bring Jesus into an established relationship that didn't start with a foundation in, in Jesus. If Jesus is, okay, if, I got, I've got to let that marinate right, just yeah. a little if, bit. If the relationship didn't start with Jesus being the center of it, or or a, a foundational mm-hmm. piece of that relationship, it's it's awkward and difficult to bring him into the relationship, even if the two people are followers of Christ. And obviously, it's even more so if one is and the other yeah, isn't. I, I, I appreciate you saying that because I'm going, okay, yeah, if, a, you know, if there's a couple that's dating, say a Christian is dating a non-Christian and Christ isn't the center of that relationship, for one of them suddenly say, hey, we need to start going to church together, yeah. and the foundation is not there, that you know that can be a deal breaker in yeah. the relationship. And so I think sometimes those that we're closest with in our families – a lot of those relationships don't necessarily start with you thinking of Christ being in the center, right? Mm-hmm. Friendships, you find you meet someone at church camp or at church or whatever, and, and those are foundational because, oh, I met them at, at church camp or I met them at church or whatever. But our family sometimes are the ones that um, it's difficult to bring Jesus into that relationship because the relationship maybe didn't necessarily start in, in a way where both people came to it going, well, Jesus needs to be the middle of, of this. And right. so it can be really awkward and difficult to have those conversations about forgiveness with a brother or family member um, if that hasn't been a part of that relationship. So family, you know, I mean, you know, Jeff's grandmother, little four foot nothing fireball, family was everything, uh, and Christ was the center of, of that. That's just such a beautiful story you shared with us, Jeff. Um, so we, we went on to look at Andrew because it's not just about family. It's also about in, inviting others. And one of the things that's very important is that we invite people that others would keep away. And, and this is a, a, a more difficult thing because I think all of us have people that if we see them are preconceived ideas, perhaps our prejudices, perhaps our stereotyping them might make us reluctant to see them as a person that we would want to talk to about following Jesus. Um, and so who is being kept away? And for me, one of the the biggest groups that feels kept away from the church right now are people that we would say have different views of human sexuality. And I've, I've shared before in other uh, times and places, maybe some of y'all familiar. I've got a very good longtime friend who, within the last couple of years, has said, you know, I'm transgender. You know, I was always friends with this guy. You know, we did guy things. We went fishing. You know, we played sports together. And now he identifies as a woman and does not feel accepted by the church. And it has given me a sensitivity that whenever I am out in public and I see someone who seems to be transitioning and being transgender, my heart immediately goes to them in such a way that I actually want to defend them if I see anybody causing trouble with them, Yeah, uh, that I want to let them know Jesus doesn't keep you away, and I'm not going to keep you away from Jesus. Right. Yeah. And, and there's 
there's a delicate balance, right? We want to remove all the barriers that we absolutely can that someone might have to following Jesus. But we want also the balance comes in removing those barriers, but not at the expense of changing the gospel. And that's where it becomes a delicate balance in a difficult situation is, you know, what expectations have we placed on people um, to enter the church that have nothing to do with the gospel? Yeah. That are just absolute barriers that are making it more and more difficult for someone to come to Jesus. Those things need to go away. But there are certain things in place that, you know, that I think are expectations of someone seeking Jesus um, in terms of, I think of... Um, I don't know that something immediately comes to mind, but if, if I've got all these different idols in my life and it's probably not appropriate, appropriate for me to, to tell someone that has this, Oh yeah, you can worship whoever and however, and believe whatever you want. Um, well, no, that's not what Jesus said, right? Mm -hmm. There are things, there is a, a change that, that Jesus does to our heart. And there are certain things that are a part of the gospel that are important that we don't water down that. Yes, we have all sinned. Um, to tell someone, well, no, you're not a sinner. Jesus loves you. Well, yes, Jesus loves you. And that makes his love that much more powerful because while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Right. Um, and so I think there's a balance of how do we remove the barriers that don't need to be there that are holding people back from following Jesus while at the same time not changing the gospel at all. Um, and and that, that can be a, a delicate, I think, difficult balance. And, and I think that's what Andrew was doing. The, the yeah. Greeks that came, it, there was a cultural, even a religiously cultural reason. No, you're a Gentile. You can't come to the rabbi. You can't come to, to Jesus. And Andrew's like, y'all want to see Jesus? Right. Let me take you to Jesus, you know. And again, it's not inviting them to church. It's inviting them to follow Jesus. And so we we do want to be conscientious of uh, how receptive are we? How hospitable are we to people that uh, their lifestyle is so different from ours? You know, I, I just the reason I shared the closing story was because the woman who talked about her son coming to faith that was in a Christ, powerful story. You know, a prostitute comes to church, she's probably going to dress like a prostitute. Right? Drunk comes to church, she's probably going to have alcohol in his breath. That somehow or another, we need to people that you know, would say, well, you know, I can't go to church. I don't dress right. I can't go to church because, you know, I just had a drink. We we don't want to be the barrier there. Yeah. And, and increasingly I find myself, you know, understanding what I believe about how it is that God says this is how we should live. I mean, you know, my perception, but, uh, you, you, you follow Jesus and we'll let Jesus sort all this out. I don't need this by your Bible. Right. You know, yeah. we're going to let Jesus sanctify you because he can save you. He can sanctify you. Absolutely. One of the uh, powerful perspectives that I heard once um, in, in a pastor teaching on the prodigal son parable, mm -hmm. um, and, and he posed the question, and I loved it, and it has stuck with me ever since, um, how different would that story had been had it been the older brother who had first seen his younger brother and welcomed him versus the father. So he said the father, wow. You know, how, you know, his brother was, was so consumed and concerned with all these other things. I think sometimes we as the church have a tendency to do that. We become so consumed with, well, they're different. They think different. They look different. They, this or that. And we build these barriers up 
to get to the Father. Um, and, and I just always took that to heart. In what ways have I done that in my own life? In what mm-hmm. ways do I connect with the older brother? And have I tried to build a wall right. between someone coming back to the Father? Um, and I just, he, he asked that question in his sermon. And, and, you know, it's been 20 years ago that I heard that. And it has just stuck with me. And was that Nick? It was not Nick. It okay. was one of the associates. It was Foy, Foy Conrad. Foy Conrad. I, I know the name. I never knew him. Love so him. He it, was a great man. One of the things that uh, we want to remember in this is when we're inviting people to follow Jesus, and, and maybe that comes out as, hey, would you go to church with me? We, we get that. The, the thing I love is when we talk about how it is we follow Jesus. We understand that we're all on a spiritual journey. Whether we're aware of it or not, we're all on a spiritual journey. And and the way that we approach inviting others has changed. In in the last century, I actually remember having these experiences, kind of the, the model of the church doing evangelism was what was called the the model of the traveling salesperson that, you know, hey, I come to your door and I think we mentioned this recently in a podcast too. You know, you need storm windows and let me tell you why you need storm windows and then I know I'm effective if I get you to buy storm windows. Right. And that was the thing. It's like, hey, you're a sinner and hey, you need Jesus and you know, if I get you to pray a prayer with me, then I've done my job. Right. And that's not an effective model anymore. The model that we lift up is what we call the model of the travel guide, that if I journey with people, if I have relationships with people, when we journey together, hopefully I can get them to to think about and notice how following Jesus makes a difference in my life. Yeah, one way I think of it, so time and time again, over and over, I hear when I go to conferences and people talk about how to be a welcoming uh, church, mm-hmm. how to how to be hospitable is that when you have people come in and they ask where the bathroom is, um, you don't just say, oh, it's over there or, oh, it's around the corner, that you actually walk them there. Right. And uh, I know Jeff, uh, we were talking about this yeah, earlier. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, share, share Jeff what you were. I mean, this is, is a, corporate America. Yeah, this is a part of corporate America and what he experienced working at Target. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that uh, Target always uh, talked about was uh, if somebody asks um, where ketchup is, uh, you're all the way in the closing section. You actually physically walk the guest over to that area and actually point them to the uh, exact shelf. You don't tell them, hey, down there, aisle 22, halfway down, third shelf up, anything like that. More than likely, what ends up happening is they get frustrated and they leave without nothing. So yeah. uh, I could see how that could correlate with the church as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, part of that is we are not just pointing people to Jesus, but we actually walk the journey with them. And it's a long journey. It's a messy journey. It's not a simple you know, here's the bathroom journey. I mean, this is a lifelong journey that can get messy. It can be uncomfortable. We may get a phone call at 11 o'clock at night from someone that's in a hard place that we're walking this journey on and yeah. they need help. And, 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 and it's, it's about relationship and walking that journey with them, not just saying, hey, Jesus is over there or, hey, come to church, but, hey, I'm going to walk this journey with you. Right. So, friends, part of our hope, this is kind of my closing thoughts, is, you know, we want to be a, 
loving, caring, overcoming community of faith that is centered in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And for us to be healthy disciples, we want to be fully engaged. We don't want to be partly engaged. We don't want to be disengaged. You know, we don't want to be firing on two of four cylinders. We want to be firing on all four cylinders that we are people who serve. We are people who give. We are people who are actively focused on growing in our relationship with Christ and growing in our faith. And we are people who understand the benefit of what a difference Jesus makes in our life and how could we do anything other than share the good news in such a way that we invite other people to follow Jesus. That's a great word. That's a great word. Well, we hope that uh, you guys will join us either online or in person. This Sunday, we have three services at 815, 930, and 1050. The 815 and 1050 services are live streamed. And uh, it's going to be a great, great Sunday as we kick off a new sermon series on creating our future. Mm. And so we're going to begin looking ahead to uh, the great things that um, that we believe God's calling us to as uh, the body of Christ here at St. Andrews. So, uh, hope you guys have a great week, and uh, we'll see you here next week.